Crimes While Caffeinated contains graphic and explicit content that may not be suitable to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Well, so we can try that. How, does, how do I sound to you? Sound good. Sound okay. good. Sound fine. Okay, Abby, take it away. What'd you say? I can adjust the volume. Oh, I don't know how that works. Are you recording already? Yes. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Hello and welcome <laughs> to Crimes While Caffeinated. I am Abby, one of your co-hosts. I am Marissa, your other co-host. And here we are. Yes. Ready to take on episode two of The Ripper. And with our coffee and still in our PJs. Mm-hmm. You bet we are. Also, I showered yesterday. Good news. Did I? <laughs> yes, yes, I did. Yes, I did. Excellent. Good for you. My uh, how long it took me to shower was not in question versus mm-hmm. yours was. So. Yes, cor- that that is correct. So. Um, but I did shower yesterday. Not that you can really tell because I'm still, because I'm in pajamas and, you know. You're in your, like, cute, like, little, they, like, the PJs look like they're little kid, but then also, like, crossing the line between, like, old grandma. (laughs) Yes, so these are some Walmart Christmas pajamas that Anna and I got last Christmas. Um... They have little dogs on them, little Christmas dogs. Aww. Yeah, so they're little like wiener dogs wearing different Christmas sweaters and outfits. Aww. They're very, cute. it's very cute. Yeah, and they're very cozy and warm. So, um, I was going to tell you something. Were you? Yes. Though I can't remember what exactly it was that I was thinking of telling you when I was thinking about us recording today from last night, but I did, I have been meaning to tell you that I am very disappointed with myself while also being upset that I'm completely authentic when we record because for our listeners, I was listening to our podcast like a couple weeks ago and I was trying to show Erica um who is Erica Erica is my co-worker okay um and I was like Erica you should listen to our podcast blah 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 so I put on one of our podcasts oh now I remembered what the other thing was anyways uh (laughs) so I was like oh like let me put on the podcast Mm-hmm. she's like okay so there's this there's this part where I you say something and my reaction was to go murher but I went murher in real life listening to the podcast not realizing that I was going to say that and so I said it at the same time <laughs> as myself <laughs> and 
I was like, I am such a sad human being, like authentic as hell. Nailed it, but also why? Just <laughs> truly incredible, uh, Marissa being herself. That, and then the other thing last night that I want to, to say to you. So I've been watching a lot of British TV lately. Just okay. watching Love Island UK. That's besides the point. There's another TV show slash TV show special that I've found on YouTube that they have full episodes. It's called The Big Fat Quiz Show. Hilarious. Um, they'll do it for specific years or just generalized everything. And anyone who knows me, Abby especially, because I've had a lot of freakouts in college when we <laughs> played trivia games because I love trivia. Well, one of- And Marissa the- can be a little bit competitive is another thing. Just a little bit. Um, d- just a teeny tiny overboard. Anyways, so the episode, one of the, the questions that they had, they have this one thing that they do throughout every episode, which is this primary school will act out an event and mm-hmm. the, the um, contestants who are all celebrities- need to answer what the um what the scene is correctly and guess what it was what was it it was pickles finding the fifa world cup trophy (laughs) but so they said what's the name of the dog and i was like we did this why can't i fucking remember and so i was so mad at myself that i couldn't remember i thought that it was like toto or something like that it was pickles and i was like abby's gonna be so disappointed in me pickles the dog our hero shout out shout out to pickles the dog r.i.p uh you know so our podcast can pay off for trivia answers if the hosts could fucking remember it let alone the listeners so I thought that that was important to tell you um because it really did make my day it made me think of you um but Abby what are uh what's first off what's been going on since the last time we talked and then tell us what your coffee is um what's been going on since yesterday uh nothing I got some work done and um two days it was two days ago yeah oh my god it was two days ago today's Monday today's Monday we're filming on uh Martin Luther King Day Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yesterday all day felt like Saturday because I knew I didn't have to go to work the next day so I was feeling really yeah so, I always know that it's Sunday because whenever I go out on Sunday, everyone is out walking. Like, not on Fridays, not on Saturdays. <laughs> everyone is out on a Sunday. Yeah, sure. Anyways. <laughs> so, uh, what's been going on in the last two days? Okay, yesterday I spent most of my day um, working, uh, getting some paperwork getting caught up on paperwork that I'm very behind on because you know it's it's me and uh if you know who I am then you know that I'm a procrastinator and I don't do things on time so I'm really behind and um yeah so I worked on getting caught up today or yesterday and that 
went okay. I got I got caught up on two weeks worth of notes, so you know that's good. pretty good for me. And uh, I have more to do today, but yeah, getting caught up and and working and doing all that jazz. That's good. Uh, what are you drinking? Oh, that's right. I'm drinking the same thing that I was drinking last episode. So, so all gin- these branded coffee. <laughs> The Aldi gingerbread coffee. Um, and this is actually the last of it. This is the end of it. So beginning next time, I will be drinking the um, Spanish coffee. Uh, that she'll have to remember the name of. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That I, that I will have to remember the name of. And um, it's actually, there's a specific uh, device that you can make it in. And I forget what it's called. Anna, what is the name of that thing that you can make the coffee in? Greca. I'm not saying it right, but Greca. Greca. Okay. C R E C A. Greca. G R E C A. Greca. Greca. What is it so, exactly? Is it the stovetop thing or no? Yeah, it's it's the one that you put on the stovetop that it has like two parts. It has yeah, the bottom and I've the top. I've always wanted to. Okay, so for listeners who don't know what we're talking about. It's kind of like, it looks like a, almost like a teapot, but then there's like Mm -hmm. a half of a teapot upside down. You like put it on the burner for the oven and it forces like the water and slash mixed like inside of it. It's supposed to be like super, super rich and condensed coffee. Yes. But that's exciting. Yes. So Anna said she's going to make it for me in that. Um, in that thing. So I'm really excited for that. That sounds exciting. I'm honestly really jealous. Thank you. Um, also, also, I kind of saw Leo over your shoulder grooming himself on the couch and I just oh. wanted to give a little shout out. Ooh. No, other shoulder. Other shoulder. Yeah, there he is in his little bed. Little poof. Little little poof. Just, just grooming. Yeah. Just grooming. Doing his best. Yeah, he was in a little bit of a pissy mood this morning. Um, I went shopping yesterday and I got um, an old, like one of the, I went to Old Navy. So I got an Old Navy bag. So while I was in bed this morning, he was jumping into it and ripping it up and then jumping out of it and then ripping (laughs) it up. And I was like, dude. Uh, And then I, um, because I don't have a partner in my life, Sometimes I need to get my affection out for my cat because I love him so much. So I tried uh, picking him up and kissing um, him. And then, um, you know, sometimes where it's like people like to huff babies where like you just like, um, sometimes I do that with <laughs> Leo. I'm really selling myself on ever getting a partner, but um you know how sometimes people just like to huff babies? <laughs> well, some people just like to like hold a baby and smell them. And yes, because um, so they I, smell so good. So I do that with Leo, where I like hold him and I'm like, uh, <laughs> so, uh, but he doesn't like it when I do that, which, you know, makes sense. Um, and uh, so uh, he scratched me up a little bit. Um, and then whenever he gets pissy with me and wants to play he'll uh launch himself straight at my feet 
Yeah. So yeah, he's just grooming himself from all of the activity of destroying my skin. Um, yeah. Earlier this morning, but but a good boy. Yeah, what a good boy. Da, 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 demon child. Anyways. What a good demon. I mean, at least he's being quiet. At least he's not screaming like he normally does. Um, so there's that. Not because I'm doing anything to him. He just naturally is a very loud, attention-seeking cat. Yeah. He's a tabby. That's what they do. PETA, don't come for me. <laughs> Tabbies are loud. They scream. Cassidy has... Cassidy's cat baby is an orange tabby and he's the most vocal cat anybody has ever met and when people meet him they're like um why does this cat not be quiet ever <laughs> yep that's uh that's Leo for sure when I'm in my office which is across the hall um he I can hear him through the vents crying it's very sad but anyways besides that um I went shopping I got some clothes um I got this super cute mug I should just use the mugs that I use, but instead I'm going to be just continuously showing you new mugs. Okay, um, excellent. So it says, stay wild, moon child, which- Oh, that's really cute. So me, and then it's got a little moon in it. So, I love that. Like, I've also learned recently that mugs, um, mugs like can come in, um, like dominant hands yes so I was unaware of that one of my favorite mugs is my pick your poison mug but I have to hold it in my left hand otherwise it's just a black mug yes so that makes me sad but anyways so as a lefty I appreciate the left mugs yeah I mean um. But yes. Oh um, yeah, I, I didn't show my mug. My mug is really cute. I'm drinking out of um it's an alpaca. Uh, so it's it's a the, the, the handle is the neck and then the head and then the body is the mug itself. It's so cute. I love so. that. So um and uh yeah, other than that, um oh I'm getting I, I got an email about getting uh my meds reevaluated so uh oh big as, news as your girl is depressed <laughs> and this pandemic oh. and winter uh quarantine depression is not helping you didn't say what you're drinking i am also drinking the same thing that i drank in our last episode um, okay. but this is the cold brew version and i put ice cubes in it and it has watered it down to be very weak just like mm. my motivation mm. <laughs> so let's get on started anyway if i wasn't specific and if you forgot to listen to the last episode i'm drinking the trader joe's instant cold brew coffee mix um and i have a pumpkin spice creamer in it because it was on sale I like the way you said sale. That was really special. It was on sale. Sale. <laughs> you know, I, so throughout this episode, that's actually a great transition. Throughout this episode, I've been wondering what, what uh, so someone who was in like a speech pathologist, what, where they could narrow my accent down to. Like, what, could they specifically... 
narrow it down to like Bostony, Massachusetts? I don't know that speech pathologists would do that because um, maybe like a, li a linguist, someone who okay. specializes in language, um, because like a speech pathologist is like a speech therapist and their job is not really to like identify your your accent so much as it is to identify I guess I guess like your speech patterns they could maybe recognize but it would be more like um if you had a, a lisp or a stutter or some, some I mean yes I, I still have that but <laughs> but uh yes um I felt very stupid for not knowing um what the name of that I have a master's degree I'm not that stupid I promise I have my moments <laughs> no 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 you're not stupid the only reason why I know that and and oh, I could well, be because you're you're an occupational yeah. therapist yeah that's the only reason why I would know that so and I could be wrong too I there could be speech pathologists that that could recognize stuff like that but I I don't uh from my experience working with speech therapists that's not necessarily what they do but yeah i think maybe like a linguist somebody who specializes in language could identify your accent where you're from um mm. okay well i've always i've been wondering that throughout this uh episode um but anyways let's get started and actually that that does relate to the ripper the because yeah. they they do talk about um, the accent of the Ripper, mm -hmm. uh, which yep. we will get into. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. So again, I've got a wonderful long amount of notes. Um, and I didn't take any again because <laughs> um, I was going to be prepared. I am who I am. I did watch the episode, though, the whole thing from oh, beginning proud to end. of you. Very proud of you. Thank I you. <laughs> So, okay, so episode two. So it's called Between Now and Dawn. Um, so it kind of reintroduces, obviously, what we've learned in the past episode. We've hit our one year mark of the Ripper's Reign of Terror. And once again, they have absolutely no evidence and are nowhere yeah. closer to figuring out who the ripper is or stopping yeah. him um so everyone keeps wondering when is he going to strike next and absolutely no one is surprised of when he attacks next um but as we learned at the end of the first episode maureen long is the first known uh ripper victim who survives their attack Yes, so she she survives the same kind of scenario, getting hit in the um, back of the head and then stabbed, um, and she's in the hospital for quite some time, and they talk about uh, going to try to talk to her and get an idea of um, what she knows, what she doesn't know, uh, but unfortunately... Because of the blows to the back of the head, she has suffered memory loss and she has no memory of who the Ripper was, what he looked like. Um, she doesn't remember her attack at all, which is super unfortunate. Yeah. And then they talk, they also talk about taking her, the, the cop who takes her to the bars to try to see if they can, like, recognize anybody um yeah. so they they produce a sting operation the police officer goes with maureen long to the bar to see if the killer walks in um as you can imagine it was 
unconventional to do that typically. Uh, but the police, and they were getting drunk while they did yeah. it. So it's not. Which I was going to be like looking at it from this like modern day perspective. Like that's not what you should be doing. Um, there's a lot of ethical problems with that, but that's besides the point. Um, but so- not only not only is he like working this this officer that's going undercover. Not only is he working and getting paid to drink on the job. They gave him some money. Yeah, as so the a- taxpayers paid for them to get drunk. <laughs> they gave him some money to buy like drinks while he was there. So he was like he was drinking on taxpayer money and getting paid to do so. Um, so that's fun and yes. interesting. <laughs> <laughs> Um, she, like we, like Abby said, she had forgotten a lot of it because of the injury. So they had gone to this bar really for no reason, um, because she wasn't even able to recognize the person by the time that, um, yeah, bar. Like, I mean, let alone I'm the sh- fact that they're both very plastered. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure the hope was like putting her back in that familiar environment, and, like putting her back in that same environment, and like having her like look around and be kind of doing the same thing she was doing that night mm-hmm. might trigger some memory, mm-hmm. um, or might tri- might trigger some unconscious something to come back up, recovered memories and whatnot. Um, but which, which would be a lot better than I always am very skeptical about them hypnotizing people. Yeah. Um, so I do think that like, though, this is not conventional, I would take this over hypnotizing someone and yeah. crying the answers out of them of what they want to hear. Yeah. And, and as we know from the keepers, if you've seen that Netflix documentary, recovered memories are very iffy and Mm -hmm. it's not always, uh, sure if they're going to be real. So, um, I think even if she had recognized somebody that night, it still could have been put into question very easily. Oh, absolutely. Um, the, the next scene though, I thought was really interesting and I hadn't really caught it the first time that I watched, uh, cause this is my second time watching the entire series, but they had a uh, film footage of a girl completing a sale with an interested John. Yes. Um, so she char- was charging him 10 pounds for a full strip. Which I thought was really interesting because, like, I know that obviously inflation comes into this and over time what uh, the equivalent of money becomes. But I was like, $10, like 10, 10 pounds. But yeah, uh, let's, should we look up how much that that would be in today's money? Yeah. Because I feel like it's not that much. No. And that, and they even said later on, um, which we'll get into, but they, they mentioned the fact that $5 or five pounds, I'm sorry, five quid um, was the going rate for prostitutes. Okay. How much would 10 pounds in 19, was it 1977, 78? Uh, yes. 77? 77 cost in 2019 is the... So that would be about 62 pounds now. Today? Yeah. Oh, shit. Never mind. Mm-hmm. So then let's see. Pounds to dollars. That would probably be what? Um, mm. uh, that would be about 85 bucks. 
So it's less than a hundred dollars, but that is still like that. That's pretty significant. Uh, my guess was that it would be around fifty, mm. um, fifty bucks or fifty pounds yeah, today. That's still, huh? So it, okay, yeah, that puts it into perspective. So never mind. I was I just, like, wow, they really bless you. Yeah! <laughs> um. Will I cut this out of the episode? Only time will tell. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I mean, that makes a lot more sense now that I'm thinking about it. But I, I was like $10 or 10 pounds. What the hell? Anyways, so the police were taking plates in the red light district um, of single men who were driving by. The gentleman that we inter- that was being interviewed at the time was extremely shocked about um, the number of the number men. of people coming through the red light area. But yeah, exactly. That I was like, you're a police officer, and you're like so surprised that um, you know sex work is such a huge industry, <laughs> that I, it's such I mean, a profitable industry. <laughs> I mean, I guess that that's also like you'd have to think modern times it's much more acceptable for us to have sex and like talk about it and yeah like go to places or like have hookup apps and so on and so forth versus back in the 70s though there was like the whole you know free love movement I do think that there was still a very conservative side um where a lot of people were like especially like religion was a lot more uh, prominent back then than it yeah I would say it is now so you know I I'm not surprised that the cop was shocked by it but I did find that very funny yeah uh so yeah he talks about how they were taking down the license plates of any single man who drove through the red light district and it was just um you know license plate after license plate it, it was like he said something it was like a fast food drive through or something like it was just like uh, through and through and through like they there was so many coming through that area um and so that made it even more obviously that made it more difficult for them to to narrow down any suspects um, because there's like you're just looking at and I'm sure these these Johns, these people that are uh, perusing the area looking for sex are, are all just kind of uh, all different kinds of guys from all different kinds of walks of life, probably, you know, like could be lawyers and uh, politicians, could be could be just your average regular person, could be could some be sketchy. Who knows? Yeah, <laughs> could be some or it could be someone who's kind of creepy, sketchy and has a history, has a background, a criminal background or something. But yeah. it's it really varies because sex isn't something that is uh, sex work and, and sex in general is not something that's specific to one type of person. <clears throat> as it's how the world goes round <laughs> so then uh it's a good uh transition that they had of for like there's all these people coming through and so we start to actually see the behind the scenes of how they're keeping track of all of the inquiries that they yes. have so about 270 men they said at a given time was uh searching for the ripper all officers had specific jobs. Um, they showed this crazy large, um, they called it the big wheel, and mm-hmm. it had little end index cards in it with every person's name who had been called in 
um, or even they're or like, looked at by the police. Yeah. And so if someone was to call in and they were to say, oh, I think Abby Hunter is the <laughs> I think Abby is the killer. Um, they would attach they would look for Abby's name. If Abby's name was in there, they would attach this new piece of information and then send it to a officer to go and uh, go in and interview Abby so it was it was very interesting to see um just the I was just I was continuously thinking of like how like once they solved this like all, all of the paper that is just <laughs> somewhere Waste, wasted just wasted trees <laughs> I also feel like it's a it's such a you know they're they're putting so much time and resource into looking at so many different options that that there's no it, it's seeming at that point like there is absolutely no way they're going to catch this guy because there's way too many things that they have to that they're trying to focus on at once way too many people that they're looking at at the same time because they literally have no leads and nothing to go on so they're going on everything and in it yeah and on top of that uh as we've been saying like the police officers like they're constantly going in and out of the job they're being promoted they're you know they're being moved to different districts like there yep. there is so much opportunity for error of something slipping through which we find out time and time again throughout the rest of these episodes that things fell through the cracks because of the simple fact that there was such panic and pressure to figure out who this person was that just the amount of people who were involved with it um caused much of the problems but also just you know just the the hierarchy of the police um also played a major role but yeah we get into october 1977 where um i my heart went out to this guy um oh the guy that uh found the body yeah so he says that he's on a sunny day he's working with his friend in their garden slash farm hadn't realized until later that he had pushed a wheelbarrow wheelbarrow barrel 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 over (laughs) so sorry maybe i do need the speech pathologist um over this girl um he labels that she is disemboweled, her hair is burnt off, face is smashed in, her breasts had been cut off. Um, She's been like cut and beaten all over her body, basically. And when he is describing it, he's getting so emotional. And it's, you know, 40 years later. Uh, it's so sad to to see like the way that he talks about it because he's getting like visibly upset and emotional talking about it and you know that this is something that has stuck with him for this long and will always be with him kind of thing where he he's always going to have this exact memory of what happened yeah absolutely and so i had written down that the ripper is getting more violent and he's spending more time on the mutilation which we kind of come back into a little later but let's talk about who the victim is sadly Her name was Jean Jordan. She had gone missing uh, and nine days later is when her body was found. She Mm -hmm. was well known as a quote unquote prostitute 
their words, not ours. And uh, the place where she was found had been commonly associated where transactions had been completed. Mm -hmm. Um, The only big thing, though, is that Jean Jordan is found in Manchester, which is a completely different city um, and away from uh, Leeds, where a lot of the other um, slash Yorkshire um, where a lot of the other individuals who were victims of the Ripper come into play. I am going to drop the <laughs> the image into your text message, Abby, so that you okay. can see it if I could take it out. But um, So while you're doing that, um, yes, yeah, so they talk about in the documentary, they talk about how it's it's scary to think that the Ripper is traveling. Um, it's scary for them to uh, imagine that he's uh, he's got a car and he's driving to new places to find people to kill, which um, was something that was fairly uncommon um, that they hadn't really seen in serial killers uh, in England prior to this. So this was like very scary for them and very... Um, now it felt less of uh, less contained and it felt more like, well, this can happen now. This can happen literally anywhere as long as he's got a car and the means to, to get on the highway and go. Um, he could go anywhere and do whatever he wants, basically. So now it's spreading out um, because they were they were so focused on just that red light district in uh, that one area. Uh, now they have to spread out to different, completely different cities and basically now it's like the whole country is uh unsafe okay so i'm gonna look at yeah so it's it's much more it's interesting to see how spread out yeah it is uh but i really needed the map to kind of because we're not uh (laughs) because we're not from the uk um yeah aren't familiar with the area so i know where like i've been um in the country but uh, I haven't been to Manchester and I don't know the difference between. So I, I did a lot of like background research throughout this because it wasn't necessarily explained. Um, so uh, they also um, talked about uh, the resources that were going into this, about 400 officers, thousands of hours of work. Um, and the guy who we've talked to before, um, he's, the one who's been known as the Cornish pixie um, says that, so they put in all this work in this specific area and now he's in Manchester. So now not only is it aggravating for the officers, but it's also puzzling. Um, Mm -hmm. And so when Jean Jordan's body um, had been disposed of, um, he may, he had hidden the body, uh, had come back to the body um, had been looking for something and um, out of frustration and anger uh, took out further mutilation on her body as they were able to see that some of the slash yeah. had been done after her death. So they see that they see that like so she had been under some bushes originally and he had kind of pulled her out from under those bushes and uh, they noticed that a lot of the cuts on her body were um, were done much later than she was actually killed indicating that he had returned to the body and then 
um, a little ways away. This is the part that I was like, oh my God, this is so crazy. A little ways away, um, they had found her purse and it, and it was like all the contents of her purse were kind of thrown everywhere. Her purse was like, so he clearly had come back and had been looking for something in her purse. Um, and when he couldn't find it, he took out his frustration with that on her. So when the police looked in her purse, um, they were able to find what, figure out what he was looking for. And that was a five pound note that was um, in a, like a pocket, a zippered pocket or something that he hadn't noticed when he was looking through her purse. The only time that I will say that the fashion industry has assisted us with tiny ass pockets um, because as all females know, the little tiny fake pockets do absolutely nothing except for potentially hide evidence. Yeah. Um, so at least I came into play with it. But uh, the, the big part of it was, as Abby had mentioned, was like, this was a brand new five pound note. So it had literally been distributed only four days prior to her death. So they were able to track down um, based on the serial number, the area of the country that it had been dropped off to and thus distributed from to the banks and banks to the employers and employers mm -hmm. to the employees. Yep. So uh, they're able, so this is like their first, this is another big clue to tack to tag right onto the list of um, the very short list, the very short list of clues that they have and leads that they have. This is now a new break, a new lead. So it's feeling very like hopeful and like, okay, they might be able to narrow down the, the suspect pool to, to figure out who this guy is. So it's very, it's very exciting. Um, Which I thought was super interesting in the perspective of that they knew that the Ripper knew that they could potentially yeah. track down the bill from the serial number. I would have never fucking guessed that. I would have never, but I also am not a murderer. Um, this is the evidence because eventually if something ever happens to me and somebody gets through <laughs> my history, they're going to be like, uh, mm. uh, but, uh, I would have never thought, uh, that that would be something that could be traced back to somebody, but we yeah. don't usually come into contact with brand new, recently minted money. So. Yeah. So, and, and uh, I mean, I would have also thought myself, I would have thought potentially fingerprint evidence, um, but I don't, I don't know, was fingerprinting, I mean, they were, they were doing fingerprinting at this time, but I guess they, they probably didn't have uh, a whole lot. Yeah. But it's also, they, probably, they didn't have fingerprints to compare it to. Exactly. And um, that's what I was going to say. It's only helpful if you have people within the system. Who yeah either have already given you their fingerprints or are have to register their fingerprints yeah um, so but anyway. but yeah I, I wouldn't have thought using the serial number of the bill and that also goes to show that that the ripper is smart enough to think about the evidence that he leaves behind and the the traces and the clues that that he could potentially leave behind oh, absolutely. Um, and clearly clearly thinks about it to the point where he came back for it um <clears throat> so we also uh have this 
pivotal moment with this piece of evidence. But we also are seeing that the police, once again, really need the public's help. And they really think that the public has an idea of who this, this individual is. They have yep. to know something. But as we, as we know, unemployment is continuing to go up and people, the public, are more concerned about putting food in their mouths than they are about solving this murder and stopping the serial killer, especially because people think that this serial killer is going after a specific group, subgroup of women. And mm -hmm. if you don't fall into that group, then you are completely safe, which we later on know uh, that is not the case. But so to give context, November 1977, the country, almost everybody, as they say, is pretty much on strike. Uh, the first uh, firefighter strike in British history is happening. The price of crude oil went up not only once, but twice. Mm -hmm. um, with that going up, a lot of, uh, with that going up, a lot of things followed of food prices were going up, uh, employers were laying off more people because now they had to accommodate for that price in oil. Um, so yeah. this was just causing so much stress on all of these people. Um, but society is also changing throughout this. So we have society changing by people are now having kids more out of wedlock than getting married. Um, mm -hmm. People are moving in with each other before being married. And a lot of conservative people can be said to believe that society as a whole is fraying at the edges is what they uh, label in this. And if you think about um, the type of person that the Ripper must be, if he's targeting sex workers, he could have some kind of moral agenda in that. So then to see that uh, now there's uh, society as a whole seems to be going, you know, downhill uh, from the point of view of somebody who might be more conservative or have more conservative or religious values. Um, that would certainly be a trigger or like a fear, like a, yeah, a, a trigger, um, something that would, could potentially enrage this person a little bit, you know? Yep. And so soon after we've got December, 1977, another attack in Leeds on a prostitute, um, this is Marilyn Moore. Um, she's another survivor, but this time she actually has the ability to remember um, what this person looks like. Mm -hmm. um, so in this process, it, she's describing um, like trying to fight him off. Um, he ends up jumping out of the car or jumping into the car and speeding off, leaving tire tracks. These mm -hmm. tire tracks perfectly match the ones that were casted from Irene Richardson's tire marks. Um, yep. And we have the first picture of our suspected uh, ripper. Um, so he's around 30 years old. He has facial hair, dark hair. Um, and uh, he's everywhere. And there's no pattern or distinct location that he's getting. He's just anyone he feels like at this point in time. So then our, uh, the suspect pool is now men with dark hair yep. <laughs> in England, which doesn't really narrow it down very much. Narrow, which, men 
with facial hair and dark hair doesn't narrow it down at all. Which, of course, I'm now, like, thinking, because I've been saying this to Erica, uh, my coworker lately, of she, <laughs> I was saying how there's a, like, how I want to start dating again, and I've just been, like, my type is the most generic man, and this is the most generic man. Yeah. <laughs> of white man, facial hair, dark hair. That's about it. <laughs> and in his 30s, so it's, that, that really doesn't narrow down um, in terms At of the, the male population of England. It really doesn't narrow down very much. Um, <clears throat> so I mean, the redheads are, uh, <laughs> the redheads and blondes are out of it, but. I mean, if if you look at like the pictures of uh, the police from from uh, from back the then, they all kind of match that description as well. Uh, they're all kind of uh, dudes in their thirties with facial hair, with little little mustaches, little brown mustaches. That's yeah. kind of that's kind of uh, yeah. So there's no that they have they have this very vague description now. Again, putting that on their little short list of things. Yep. So- um. February 1987, um, we start to hear from this female forensic scientist. I got her name, um, <laughs> one of the only names I got. Um, her name is Angela Gallup. Um, okay. She was, I, I think I, I put her down because I was like, this girl, she's fighting the patriarchy. She's, she's a forensic scientist. Like, she's in there. It's, you know the uh it's the 1970s i'm sorry i said uh 1987 in my notes but it's 1978 uh correction corner Um, dyslexia check (laughs) um so uh she gets called to a murder um and uh to collect evidence for a body uh found in a lumber yard this is helen ritka she's 18 years old um Angela kind of explains that uh, she was really hoping to pick up more evidence as wood uh, splinters, as we often know uh, from traumatic childhoods, I, I believe, <laughs> of how many splinters I got, at least. Yeah. Um, but no further evidence is found, no fibers, no nothing, pretty much. And this, this girl, was she also a believed sex worker or... Yes. So okay. she, she was a sex worker. Um, she also has a twin sister, Rita, who is- Oh, yes. Yes, I remember this she girl. also a sex worker. Um, and Rita really began to assist it within the investigation to kind of drum, drum up some sympathy to yes. the public for help. But as they said, um, sadly, no one cared. Yes, and they talk about how nobody wants to say, well, I knew this, I knew this uh, sex worker, I, I, I knew who this sex worker was. People don't really want to, um, to come forward and admit that they knew somebody who was a sex worker because it was such a, a stigmatized, uh, a stigmatized thing. Um, so yeah, and the, con- the cons of it outweigh the positives of it at this point. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So, so- uh, and and it's actually labeled. Uh, I, I put this note in of the assistant constable actually says to the news in one of the parts that people are more likely to come forward to help an animal that's hurt and less likely for human beings. Yeah, because because these human beings have uh, uh, such stigmatized uh, 
things associated with them. Um, so it's oh. it's so sad and you see the pictures of the twin sister um and how she and uh the their foster parents as well the people who were their foster parents when they were younger um spoke trying to help um trying to say like look these are you know these are troubled girls they've had they had a troubled past this girl this girl had some problems but she's still a human being and uh she mm -hmm. deserves justice and we need to help find her killer but you know nobody was really likely to come forward and say oh yeah i knew who that prostitute was <laughs> and so that idea is sadly what kind of comes into the idea of putting a reward forward of mm -hmm. that uh especially because of where society is at at this point in time with unemployment uh police realized that by putting a large amount of money that could potentially change somebody's life that would outweigh the cons of whatever you know came about for saying that you knew who who the prostitute was to give any indication of yep. further evidence um, yep. So the original amount of money had been 10,000 pounds. And then with private companies assisting, it was built up to 30,000 pounds. So of course the response was overwhelming because so, everybody needed money. Let's see how much that would be. Oh God. For $10 to basically be a hundred dollars now, that's, uh, that's like a hundred that what, like a close to a hundred thousand dollars. I feel like. Uh, yeah. So that would be um 173,000 pounds um in the year 1978 so if you want to say 173,000 uh that would be uh yeah it would be uh 204 almost 240,000 dollars today oh, and for right. in, in terms of a, a conversion to US dollars mm, because so so yeah, it's a lot of money and like yeah like marissa said it's life-changing and that that's what they say in the documentary life-changing amount of money um to try to get people to come forward and and um it's so sad that they have to use monetary incentive to help find the killer of um these these you know poor young women, women who had families and lives and weren't weren't just their uh what they were doing to survive or their job or whatever you know they weren't they were more than that but um especially when you think of the irony of like these people being so poor that they had to go on the street and sell their bodies for sex or for money sorry sell their bodies for money and the um, this amount of money like yeah could could have changed their lives and prevented them from being victims uh mm -hmm. which is just sad but so the response of course is overwhelming um i didn't like the fact that they were saying that women were calling in and accusing their exes for revenge um yeah <laughs> uh i have feelings about that um uh I don't like that. <laughs> that's that's simple as it is. Is I wouldn't say that. I I would like to think that people are better than that. Of that, they wouldn't be accusing someone unless they absolutely believed mm -hmm. that this person had a probability of actually being violent, um, of being uh, capable of such horrendous 
behavior yeah. and uh, violence. Um, but uh, yeah, I just wanted to input that in. I was like, mm, mm, no, thank you, no. <laughs> um, they then go on to talk about how the filing cabinets themselves were so, there were so many filing cabinets with so many um, little pieces of information in it that it could fill a uh, football field, uh, our version of a soccer field, but I'm still thinking in the, the tense of what we call American football. Yeah. Um, that's still roughly the same, the same size, but they yeah. said that literally, which I was like, yo, this is crazy. Structurally, the building was, the floor was so heavy with the filing cabinets and pieces of paper mm -hmm. that they had to actually put in concrete pillars to hold the floor up so it wouldn't fall through yeah I wish that was I, like I know that it sounds like they're exaggerating but like a hundred and ten percent believe that oh absolutely because they have you know they have these hotlines they have the big wheel of stuff they have so much that uh information that they're trying to gather and and use because they have literally nothing like, nothing the, the the list of what they have at this point is a short little list it's it, yeah they have basically zero evidence they have basically zero leads so there's this is just the you know, and and with the the fact that their um, their most recent leads, the the money thing had kind of fizzled. There was no going anywhere with that. The the description, there was no going anywhere with that. They they have such little to go on. Oh yeah, and so the police officers kind of start to go the other side of it. If they if their efforts are not going forward with being able to track down who this is, then they're at least trying to get the other side of it of convincing sex workers that they need to stop. But again, yes. as a lack of money, that's a bigger motivator for them than the potential of death. Yes, and, th and that um, that part made me really like like angry when the guy was talking about, oh, it was like talking to a wall, um, talking about talking to sex workers and, and saying that trying to convince them to stop um was like talking to a wall um when i'm sure like a you weren't doing it nicely and b you don't understand the background of these people at all because you're not trying to you're just telling them well stop what you're doing as if as if they have uh uh, a choice as if they have other options out there like yeah. they show they show some some interviews with some sex workers and this young woman who's like 19 years old she's like I if there was a, a job for me I would get a job but I can't I, there's no jobs yeah, right now absolutely. Um, I, I would have definitely been like uh are you providing me with a job <laughs> otherwise no you can fuck off <laughs> yeah exactly it's like well well how are you going to you can't just go up to somebody and be like stop doing what you're doing to make money because uh it's dangerous no, what so what what the hell do you want them to do then you know there, there's not very many options out there. Abby, I want you to quit your job. <laughs> I know. It's like, it's like, it's, okay, quit your job. Quit your job right now. Do it because I told you to. No, not just gonna. We're not just gonna 
they're not obviously they're not just gonna be like okay and obviously it's scary even without the the uh serial killer it's still scary and i'm sure even before the Ripper became uh, active, there were stories and there were people who were attacking sex workers or doing things to sex workers and the police were doing jack shit about it. Mm. So it's clear that the police don't care that much about these these women, these but people, what they're un- doing. understand. Because I, I, yeah. there's earlier episodes where they're talking about like, how they got their jobs within the police we didn't touch upon that but they say oh yeah they get good decent money for being police officers which even nowadays like police officers like yes they have a there's always going to be criticism i think um with the system but they still get paid well because of what their job requires Mm -hmm. um but you know for these sex workers like that there's no options for them especially women nowadays are in this time um it it was it wasn't easy or you know even the reporters were talking about they they were given skepticism and there was a lot on the line and at the end of the day you need to get fed you need to you know feed your children survive and survive and <sighs> Anywho, yeah. so March 1978, let's go on to another murder. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, in this area of Wasteland, they say it's around Easter Sunday, uh, a woman's hand is seen sticking out from underneath a sofa. Now to understand, um, until you see the images of it, the sofa is flipped upside down. So the, the part that you would lie on is where the body is, is underneath. Um, mm-hmm. So her hand is sticking out from there. This is uh, Yvonne Pearson. Um, she died in January. They, they later found out that she had died in January, um, likely right, uh, not likely, but she actually died before Helen, um, but her body hadn't been found. Um, but the other strange thing is that he came back, the Ripper came back a month to the day that he murdered Yvonne, um, and put a dated copy of the newspaper underneath her arm to taunt the police and be like, wow, you still haven't, you still have no clue who I am and I can keep coming back. Um, and he's described as almost like a phantom. He just... He shows up, he attacks, and he disappears mm-hmm. um, without a trace. <clears throat> and yeah, it is it is like a taunt to the police. It is a it is a message to the police that not only can he kill and get away with it, he can come back to the scene of the crime, look at what he's done, and uh, still not get caught. Yep. And and that's even more frightening to think about. Um, Yep. And people are starting to make fun of the police. Like there was already this social societal tension between the police and the people. And they actually show that somebody had spray painted Ripper 8 Police Zero on a building, which I kind of found a teeny bit humorous. Um, It it, it is. It is kind of funny. But the 
the like the context I, of it is horrible but you're also yeah. like the police have literally nothing like, yeah it's more out of it's more out of frustration and anger than it is out of humor of like yeah. being like it is sad that this person just keeps taking lives and the police have absolutely nothing yeah and I think it's you know right right for them to be critical I think it's right for their the uh them to be critical of the police at this time um and right to be questioning you know why are you doing this why are you doing that um you know why aren't you doing this uh I think it's right for them to be critical and questioning just to make sure that um they are doing what's best to keep people safe women safe and to keep uh to keep this guy from from killing again um and at this point they're doing you know none of those things which is <laughs> what they're supposed to be doing so it's they show they show some like interviews right where there's um people asking questions of the of law enforcement oh, where they're saying, are just so funny like yeah and to to look at the to look at the the police's face the, the the faces of the police when they're being asked questions like the woman who was saying um do you think that I, I don't I don't remember if this is in the first episode or the second episode the woman who's asking do you think that he likes the media attention that he's getting yeah, this is when that shows up mm -hmm. um do you think he's enjoying the media attention do you think we should stop giving him so much publicity yep. um because he's enjoying it so much and uh you know the look on their faces when they're being asked that question is like oh shit <laughs> like, like they're they're purposely like not purposely they're unintentionally feeding the fire yeah by, by putting out this information and still not having anything and this kind of uh you know pushes the rapper to be more out there and more um risky and that actually is a perfect transition because may uh may 1978 um he murders and leaves vera millard a sex worker out in an open field in front of the manchester hospital like with hundreds of people working there with mm -hmm. hundreds of patients and and it had floodlights and this was the most public place that he killed and murdered somebody and they still couldn't find him. Um, and I said, yeah. another person dead and hope is lacking. Yeah. And there's no, at this point, there's no hope. There's no faith in uh, law enforcement. There's no, there's really at this point only fear. Um, that fear and wondering, when is he going to strike again? Yep. And uh a fear among women of could be could it be me could it be someone i know um mm -hmm. you know all of this uh really just really horrific scary stuff to be thinking about at that oh, time yeah. this is this is what i find the saddest and honestly most pathetic part of the this episode at least slash the case oh, yeah. in general is that the police ask they go on this almost campaign where they ask the ripper to turn himself in they're like yep. you're gonna get like you're gonna give 
increased sympathy to the, these prostitutes. And I don't think you want that. And so it's like all of these different, like the, the George, the assistant constable, the forensic um, psychologist who keeps showing up. Um, and you're just sitting there being like, my God, like, guys, like, you really have nothing so much so that you ask the person to come forward? Of course he's not going to come forward. Like, it just seems so silly and so desperate. Like, yeah, and it's it's only giving him more power as well um, because you're saying this is uh, this is your this is the only way this is the only way we can catch you is if you give yourself up if yeah. you if you um, if you turn yourself in that's the only way you're gonna get caught. So yeah. they're at this point now saying like they're at this point they are admitting straight up there's no other way right now it's looking like there's no other way for them to catch him yep and Um, so that's when the letters come in so the ripper sends letters to the assistant constable um george um he's he's labeled as george a lot throughout this um so they really believe that this was deliberate that it was not a prank um, mm-hmm. He specifically referred to uh, Vera and had actually said that she had been in the hospital for surgery um, yep. a few weeks prior, um, and it was confirmed to be true. He threatens to kill again, um, and the letter is sealed with uh, spit, um, so they were able to categorize him as a B group, which they said was one of the rarest, only 6% of men are B group secretors and um, they dusted it for fingerprints. Um, And then we end the episode with the tape. Um, So they say out of the blue, a tape is sent to George and we hear the Ripper speak to us and hear his voice for the first time. Um, And he specifically says, I don't know when I'll try again, but maybe even sooner. And and that's comes to a close yes and um oh the other thing about the letters was that he he signed those letters jack the ripper um so clearly uh that he's playing off of this jack the ripper comparison he's enjoying it he's he is embracing it now as his identity and he's enjoying that this name this uh name that the media has given him and the the title that the media has given him he's enjoying it and embracing it as his identity now so he's referring to himself as jack the ripper um that's which just makes it even more obvious and and even clearer that the publicity that they're giving him is is very harmful to uh to like very it's it's just encouraging him it's just encouraging literally giving the fire oxygen yeah it's encouraging him they're they're basically cheering him on at this point by uh pleading with him in the media and calling him these names in the media and admitting all of these things um they're they're just cheering him on they're inciting him they're feeding his ego and he's loving it clearly so what Um, what are your thoughts at the end of this episode? Because as we said in the last episode, Abby fell asleep uh, <laughs> during uh, the first one. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So is the excitement and curiosity in it picking up for you? 
Yes. So now it now the end with the hearing his voice like pick you know piqued my interest quite a bit, and I was like, oh shit! Like this guy, this motherfucker is so cocky, so full of himself that he is now sending his voice mm-hmm. to the um police them so directly to the police his saliva his handwriting and his voice yep he's exactly. giving them basically everything he's giving them so much shit and they're still not gonna catch him and oh god and it just gets it gets even more frustrating in the next episodes um but we're, we're, we're not gonna into. we're not gonna ruin we're not gonna we're not gonna tease to no. it but it does it's it's uh the case is definitely starting to reach its crescendo yeah so there yeah it's it's reaching this point where now uh yeah it's reaching it's reaching a point where it's like they have to they have to catch him they have to (laughs) there's no uh yeah they have they absolutely have to catch him and it's yeah it's just so crazy um I, I, yeah I've only watched a third episode I haven't finished so I don't okay. I still I'm still not but it does it does yeah it does end with quite the hearing hearing the Ripper's voice at the end of the second one just really gives like a oh shit moment oh see yeah, so I've I've listened to the entire I've watched the whole whole series already this is me mm-hmm. like going back and re-watching to take notes and stuff like that so I'm so excited to see what your reaction is once we get to the end because oh buddy like it's just even I think if a tv show like a almost like a like a bones because Abby and I loved bones um um even like a, a, a series like Bones, if they put a story in like this, you would you would be like, this is ridiculous, guys. Yeah, like, there's no this way is that this so fake. Yes, yes, it feels fake. It feels so fake. It feels over dramatized and unrealistic, and yet the sad truth is, is that this is all reality. And sadly, yeah. these these people died and it could have been prevented uh at least some of them could have been prevented if you know there was more evidence to collect if we had today's technology yeah and even even thinking about like today's technology versus like the time um it's not like they're in the 1800s and it's actually jack the ripper and they don't have any they don't have any idea of how to collect evidence they have resource and like it's the late 70s they do have some technology they do have some resources and they do kind of know uh they kind of have some are supposed to have some idea of what they're doing but they're just completely failing and it's such a frustrating uh look like i can't imagine being a person being uh alive in that time and being like the age i am now and that and in England, how I would feel and how scared and frustrated I would be. Like, I wouldn't want to talk to the police either. I wouldn't want, if oh, I, I knew want- something or suspected something, I wouldn't want to talk to the police. I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to go anywhere. I wouldn't want to leave my house. Like, I would feel so Oh, so you mean. Scared. So you mean now. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So you yes. mean like you don't want to talk to the police now? You don't want to leave your house? You don't correct want people or be in large groups of people or yes? I just need clarification. I mean, correct, correct. <laughs> now I feel the exact same way, but I'm saying I would also feel that way in the seventies. I mean, I, it, it it's almost romantic in the sense that like we're in such a similar and yet different context um, yeah but I can I can understand how they feel of like you know because he's a phantom with like I know that this sounds so stupid but like uh like with COVID like you can't see it you don't know if, if it's gonna get you like you don't know how it's going to react like you know I would even say like you know police brutality like we mm-hmm. we're at a point where we're not trusting police a lot we're we're not trusting each other well and to be to be clear like there has never i mean when have when has law enforcement ever given um especially people of color a reason to trust them a reason to trust them they haven't this i mean now this is becoming like more of an issue where white people are like oh shit the police are bad but it's like and then black people are like yeah we, we, we have known this <laughs> we have known this for a long ass time but uh yeah it's now becoming like oh my god not even white people can trust the police anymore <laughs> like you know uh Except for Karen. <laughs> Except Karen trusts Karen trusts those cops. Yes. Um, um, but we'll we'll get further into it in the next uh, two episodes because that a, a lot of the the stress and uh, profiling and um, hierarchy uh, of the police misogyny and question. Um, so I feel like this is a, a really good, obviously, stopping point for it but um yeah yeah so um abby what is your uh positive um thing as we as we uh redirect our energy from a negative topic to more of a pop uh positive one um uh positive anna and i are going to make some candles today we have some we have some anna's decided that she wants to make candles and we're going to anna we're gonna make candles today. <laughs> Sorry, she's she's in what she calls her fort. So she puts the blanket over her head and then she watches TikTok on her phone. And then I just call her and she's like, whoosh, comes out of the fort. <laughs> gonna make candles. Nods, goes back into the fort. I do that with ASMR, where I have to like put myself in my bed with the blanket over my head and be like, imagine that someone is uh, taking care of you. Oh boy. <laughs> my hair. I have a lot of issues. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think back in college, I would probably have guessed that you had more mental issues than me, but nah, it's very clear. I have far more mental issues than you. It doesn't have to be a competition, Marissa. It, no, Listen, no. <laughs> Listen. A good, a, the good wraparound, Marissa, as we started in it, very competitive. Marissa's also competitive with mental health issues. Apparently. So, <laughs> but as I was, 
As I was saying, Anna and I are going to make some candles today. Um, so we're looking forward to that. We're going to try to, we have a, a lot of jars, thanks to Cassidy, who has been providing us with her empty uh, Bath and Body Works jars. So we're going to be trying to make some candles today. And that I'm really looking forward to that. It's going to be a nice little uh, adventure that we're going to try out. That's awesome. I've, I've done that and then proceeded to spill uh, candle wax everywhere. So Ooh, fun. Uh, good luck with that. Thanks. <laughs> um, my positive note is that um, I got a new workout outfit, um, and I'm hoping to use that as motivation to work out. Um, so hopefully that works. And <laughs> um, from Old Navy, yes, nice. It's one of those. It's one of those cute, like, um, like. Peachy a matching colors. set yeah like peachy colors and it's the one with like um the like long almost like crop top and high-waisted oh so cute and I got a matching baseball cap in the same color oh my god you're so cute I just actually have to use it anyways <laughs> um so uh that and I'm excited to uh, um eat I'm going to be getting Mexican food tonight. So nice. That's going to be exciting. Nice. Um, so thank you guys so much for listening. As yeah. always, social medias are as follows. We have our Gmail at crimeswellcaffeinated at gmail.com. Please feel free to email us with suggestions uh, and Abby. We are on Instagram at caffeinated crime pod and we are at uh, on Twitter at CWC pod. Um, so feel free to give us a follow. Hit, hit us up on those for info about new episodes coming out and uh, yeah, be on the lookout. So. So don't forget to take your meds. Your meds. Take yo meds that's actually a great reminder for me mostly, <laughs> mostly the reminders for me so i'm gonna go take my meds now okay bye Excellent. guys see you next time bye